guys, in this episode of Accelerated Investor, I'm interviewing Greg Lyons. Greg started Cityside Capital about two years ago, and he is a licensed capital raiser. Okay, a lot of guys do syndication or co syndication. Greg and his brother actually became licensed capital raisers. So they actually parked their license in a registered broker dealer. And they've been involved in numerous projects strictly raising capital. And in this interview, you're going to find out number one, what it takes to raise capital for real estate investment deals, including multifamily, apartments, and self storage. Number two, You'll also learn about the process to become a licensed capital raiser if you want to go that route and sit in that seat in the multifamily sphere, the multifamily opportunities. But you're also going to find out number three about Greg's first condo project, a 77 unit that they built in Boise, Idaho, 77 unit condo project that they built half of it at the right time and the other half of it at the exact wrong time. You're also going to find out about Renter Nation and why the United States is becoming Renter Nation and why is that bode well for multifamily real estate and self-storage. Guys, you're going to love this interview with the CEO of Cityside Capital, Greg Lyons, and me, Josh Cantwell. Thanks for being here. Here we go. Welcome to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. If you're looking to retire early with forever passive income, you're in the right place. This podcast is the go-to destination for real estate investors, both active and passive, and multifamily apartment investors, both new, intermediate, and advanced. Now, sit back, listen, learn, and accelerate your business, your life, and your investing with the Accelerated Investor Podcast. So, hey, Greg, welcome to Accelerated Investor. How are you? Josh, I'm doing fantastic and really looking forward to our conversation today. Absolutely. So, Greg, what, what's going on with the market today? Let's talk a little bit about what's up. You're hearing things in the marketplace about interest rates going up. The Fed's talking about maybe a quarter point, maybe a half a point. You're seeing some articles out there that are talking about possibly five and six and seven Federal Reserve interest rate hikes. So I'm curious what you're doing to kind of navigate the marketplace and curious to see what kind of projects you guys are working on right now. Yeah, Josh, um, again, thanks for having me on. And in Q1 of 2022 here, where do we begin with the market? The Fed's coming out with the different interest rates. Uh, inflation is still a in-your-face problem for most people, most investors. And Really, right now, there's a lot of uncertainty because the stock market just took a big hit. So there's people kind of fleeing the stock market saying, what else is there? Cryptos kind of went down a little bit in recent, in recent weeks. So uh, the uncertainty is, where do I put my money? Where's the inflation hedge? And, and what should I do right now? And I keep, and I, you do as well, I keep going back to multifamily real estate because people take care of three things usually each month, and that's food, clothing, and apartments. And when they take care of that, they can start figuring things out for themselves after that. Right. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So for you as a capital raiser and working with a broker-dealer, and you're looking at some of the various opportunities that are on your broker-dealer platform, 
If you are an investor, a passive investor, or an owner-operator, obviously those go hand in hand. What are some things to look for or look out for? Are people still bullish? Are your people still bullish? The deals on your platform still bullish for certain markets, certain population migration trends, certain job growth trends? And you're bullish on those regardless of the stock market and regardless of interest rate hikes? Tell me about that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I take a little different bend on real estate because there are a million different ways to make money in real estate. And watching Freeland Ventures all these, all these years and being so impressed with, with what you do as an operator has been really cool to watch. I take a little different, Ben. My brother and I started Cityside Capital in 2020, and we are licensed capital raisers. So like you said, we joined a broker-dealer. And what our broker-dealer does for us is he allows us to raise money for only certain deals that are on the platform, but every single one of those deals are vetted by a third party. Uh, financials, legal, we do a site visit, market analysis... All that is done by a third party, so it's an extra layer of protection for our investors. And I will tell you, again, uh, first quarter of 2022, our investors are still hungry for multifamily. And we also raise for self-storage as well. And there's definitely an appetite to have their money working for them, uh, especially in these crazy times, don't really know where the stock market's going. So we are seeing a lot of interest. We just closed out a deal in Austin, Texas. Uh, We still have a self-storage fund that we're raising for. And the conversations are always around, how can I get involved? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt. People are really looking at... Look, you look at some of the worst times that we've had for multifamily, specifically 2008, 9, and 10. And multifamily and apartments went down like everything else went down. It was global financial crisis. But it went down about 11%, depending on where you get your, your numbers from, anywhere between 9 to 13%. Stock market's down 50%. Residential housing's down 33%. Bankruptcies left and right. Governments getting bailing out. Uh, Lehman Brothers goes bankrupt and all the others get, get bailed out. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, multifamily goes down just around 10%. So kind of regardless of what happens here going forward, I think it's a safe haven, right? Inflation hedge, inflation goes up, rents typically go up. So even if cap rates go go up, values come down, there's a lot of value there in the increasing rents. So Greg, I'm curious, with that being said, what types of deals are hitting the platform? What types of deals are getting through the vetting process, the third-party vetting process? What types of deals do you typically raise for? Help me understand some of the mechanics and some of the things that you use to sell those deals to your investors. Yeah, so a uh, great question. The the one thing that we've kind of learned with multifamily, as you alluded to 2008, a rough time, but multifamily operators got through those times, right? With a little bit of a dip, you held on and 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 you and you did fine. What we're seeing right now though is we're creating a renter nation here in the United States. With inflation, interest rates are low, but inflation is driving up asset prices. So the first-time homebuyers having a really, really tough time coming up with that down payment, buying the house that's just kind of out of reach. So with a renter nation becomes, hey, we're about four to five million units short of being able to house everyone in the United States. So what we're looking for typically on our end is a value-add a B or C class uh, apartment complex in a A location. Like I mentioned, Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas is booming. 
So they can't build the apartments fast enough. But what the developers are doing, and to make their projects pencil, they're building A-class properties with rents way above where the usual person, the office worker, security guard, restaurant worker, they can't afford those rents. What we're seeing is we're looking at the B and C class and saying, okay, this is in a great area with a couple thousand dollars worth of improvements to each unit. We could raise rents sufficiently to hit our pro forma numbers, but still be in that little sweet spot in the market that says, yeah, there's a place for this apartment complex in Austin, Texas. Got it. Are there specific markets that you find right now that are just almost like, man, it checks the box. It's got all the population migration. It's got all the job growth numbers. It's got the income. It's got you know uh, knowledgeable workers. It's got universities. Mm. You know people that are coming out. Like in my markets, we're primarily in the Midwest. Although we have portfolios that we own in Atlanta and Houston and Mobile and and uh, in Oklahoma. Like one of the markets that I love the most is. Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. right? I'm in Cleveland. It's only an hour and 45 minutes south of me. So that's convenient for me. But Columbus operates like Austin, right? It's growing like that. Largest semiconductor plant in the world is going into Columbus, much like mm-hmm. some of the growth that you see technology-wise in Austin. So are there certain markets or cities that you see on the platform more often where you're like, yep, that checks the box. It's got all the economic numbers. It's just a matter of this is a B-class deal that's value-add. Yeah. So Austin, Texas was one that we just completed. A market that we love is Phoenix. And Phoenix for, again, 2008, I think construction was a huge part of their economy. Now they've diversified their economy wonderfully in Phoenix with education, healthcare, and they call it Silicon Desert now because Taiwan Semiconductor is coming in there. Apple and Google have data centers there. Amazon is all over the place. So that's why we really love Phoenix because it's a great job market. Rents are rising, and it's just a great place to be. So Phoenix is a great place for us. A couple of places in Texas. Sarasota, Florida has been wonderful. Chattanooga, Tennessee. There's just some different places, different pockets where we're seeing, hey, this can really work for an apartment building. Love it. Love it. So you and your brother are licensed capital raisers, right? So I know a lot of guys that are either owner-operators of apartments. Mm-hmm. Some people label themselves as co-syndicators where they're partnering but without a license, you know, they're raising money and they're vetting deals and those types of things. You guys have gone the route of getting licensed and parking your license with a broker dealer. Help me understand the mechanics of that and why'd you go that route? We really became licensed so we could sleep well at night, number one. And sure. number two, we thought it was a little, uh, a little more protection for our investors. Sleeping well at night comes down to if you were to raise money and bring money to an apartment deal and you get a percentage of the general partnership based on the amount of money you raised, in the SEC's eyes, that is uh, against the rules. So a lot of people do it, you know. But my brother and I said, hey, let's build a business that we could sleep well at night. So we had to take tests. We had to pay the licensing fees and all those different things. But really, after that, the main thing that drew us to get licensed was we have a third party looking at all these deals. So we're not just taking the operator's word for it. We're not just taking uh, mine and my brother's word for it. We have professional third parties looking at all these deals. Again, so if I'm putting my money into these things, I feel good about it, but I feel great putting my investors into those deals. 
I love it. So tell me about the process of raising money. Is there any secret sauce or silver kind of bullet strategies that you guys are using to meet investors, recruit investors, and help them place their money? And obviously, you guys get compensated for that. Mm -hmm. But how Mm -hmm. are you meeting investors? And the reason why I asked, Greg, is I actually was a financial advisor. I was serious, 63, uh, 65 license right out of college. Um, I played college football. I got my life and health license while I was still in college. 21 years old, I actually became a financial advisor. Two years later, I became a fee-based financial advisor at 24 years old. And so I'm very aware of this whole broker-dealer world. And I'm very aware of traditional investments because that's what I was selling back then. And so I'm curious to see what kind of strategies you're using to meet new people, recruit new capital. So the main strategy is tell people what you do. Sure. (laughs) Period. Period. We find that uh, it's, it's been a little tougher in the pandemic because you're not at the soccer field, you're not out at different happy hours, you're not doing these different things. But really telling people what you do is the most important thing because everyone wants to be involved in real estate. And everyone has Realtor.com, everyone has Zillow, they look at these different things. But what we really tap into is the daydream investor. We go to the person that says, I'm a busy professional, lawyer, doctor, engineer. I don't have enough time to be involved in real estate and to be a landlord, tenants, termites, and toilets. How can Cityside Capital help me get into real estate? And those are the people that we go after. Successful people, they have a family, two cars, a couple of kids, a mortgage, but they just don't have the time. So we tell people what we do is say, hey, this may be of interest to you. It may not be, but this is how it works. So telling people what we do, being on wonderful podcasts like uh, like yours, this is how we get the word out. Got it. Love it. So as somebody learns about you and about Cityside Capital, help me understand the conversion process, right? Getting a lead or a prospect is one thing. Getting them familiar with you, your brother, Cityside Capital is a second kind of hurdle, right? Or goal. Third is then the deal, right? And oftentimes, like you said, you don't necessarily know the operator, but you have a third party vetting it out. So there's a couple, I guess, watershed, waterfall kind of moments throughout the conversion process. Help me understand those moments. And what do you think it takes to be successful in converting somebody who kind of raises their hand, maybe shows some interest, to actually becoming a real investor who wires money. Yes. My brother and, like, brother and, uh, and I like to say that we're not really a real estate company. We're more of an education company. If you go on our website, it's filled with blogs about cash on cash return, what it means to be in a real estate syndication. So we take our investors along on a journey. And sometimes it takes people six months, a year of reading our stuff, listening to our podcast. We tell people to listen to other people's podcasts like yours, just so they get familiar with the process. And only when they're, they reach a certain level of education, right? Because they're taking their hard-earned money and saying, yes, I want to give this to you. But they need to be uh, educated at some sort of level, right? And that's what we help. We kind of we help educate them through the process. At that point, when someone raises their hand and says, okay, what do you have for me? Then we could start diving into deals and we start talking about markets, uh, financial projections, why we think this is a good deal. And if, and if those things start adding up, their education, if the deal starts making sense to them, 
if people can explain it to their spouse, they know what's going on, right? They they feel comfortable putting their money in. So again, it's it takes time, it takes education and a comfort level. But if you don't do it, it's how do you have your money working for you in this very in this highly inflationary environment, right? You could keep it in a savings account and be quote unquote fine, or you can make your money work for you. And that's where people say, hmm, that makes sense to me. Yep, got it. Are you ready to automate and explode your real estate investing? We're searching for extremely motivated individuals who are sick and tired of wasting time and want to finally see real results from their real estate investing business. We're searching for investors looking to get to the next level and become a bigger, better version of themselves while being a more successful real estate investing entrepreneur. Apply for mentoring and coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. That's joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. I love to use past deals too in the conversion process because like I just had a call today, brand new investor, never met him before, uh, was referred to me. I use my Calendly link. So he signs up for a calendar meeting, which automatically produces a Zoom link. We jump on Zoom and he's kind of introducing himself and telling me who he is. We connect the dots on how he got referred to me. And then I use two things. And my audience kind of knows this, but I just want to reiterate this. I use the SEC to my advantage by telling my investors that, look, the SEC requires that we have a prior existing relationship mm-hmm. with our investors before they invest. Now, Greg, that might not be the case. If you're a licensed capital raiser, you could probably present a deal today and they could just invest. If it's 506C, if it's accredited, you could maybe just present them an offer they could invest. But I like to actually mention the fact that the SEC wants us to have a prior existing relationship, kind of using more of the 506B strategy. And because people are like, oh, yeah, like I want to get to know who you are, Josh. I want to get to know your firm. And then I say, look, you have to qualify to be able to invest in something like this. So now I completely change the leverage of, hey, I have, you have the money and I need your money. Like then I have no leverage versus you have money and you have nowhere to put it. And I've got the deals, but you, Mr. Investor, have to qualify to invest with us. I've completely leverage. So then I say, look, you have to qualify. So I've got to get to know you. I got to ask your risk profile, what you've invested in the past. Do you own crypto, cannabis, real estate, you know, stocks, bonds, mutual funds? What do you invest in? Are you accredited? Who helps you make the investment decisions? All these kind of things I ask them. And because I've taken the time, that extra 20 minutes or 30 minutes to ask mm-hmm. all these questions, we're building that relationship in the process. Then I also love to use past deals and say, look, if you understand how this deal is structured, cash on cash return, internal rate of return, the value add process, the time frame, the future deals are going to kind of look just like this. So if I bring you an active opportunity, you're probably not going to have a lot of questions because you already are familiar with the structure of these past deals. Right. So those are my two main kind of silver bullet strategies that I use. It seems to work really well. I really like that. On our end, being licensed, we have people fill out a suitability questionnaire. And it takes about five minutes and it spits out a score if you're a high risk, medium risk, or low risk. So just like you, 
people have to qualify to get into these deals because it, you know it's not just anyone that could get into them. You have to attain a certain level of understanding, but also a certain financial level to get into these uh, sort of things. We have a lot of calls just like you do. And we'll listen to people sometimes and we'll just say, you know what? I don't think we can help you. Yeah. And for a variety of reasons. But the, but the main thing is everyone is different. So it's really not cookie cutter. It's so tailored to the individual. And just like you, we have to listen to people and see what their concerns are to see where we can be a problem solver for them. Love it. It's all in the relationship, right? Because Absolutely. One time, even if they get a great return, but they don't feel like there's a relationship, they might not come back. Versus if you invest in the relationship up front, not only will hopefully will they will invest in, and, and get a great return, but then typically, Greg, you probably have experienced this many times, they're going to make an investment. It's a very small investment in their grand scheme of their portfolio to kind of test the waters. And then after that first deal, second deal, they're really going to open up the floodgates, if you will, if you do a good job with them. You know, I've got guys that are into us for well over a million, two million dollars who started with a fifty, hundred thousand dollar investment, right? So it's really important to focus on the relationship, and also those guys are going to refer way more investors as well. Versus like, hey, okay, you're accredited, you're qualified, great. Here's an opportunity, invest in it today. Boom, they're in it. You move on to the next guy. You have a very, that's a very short term thinking, I find, versus being able to do this over the long haul. Yeah, that's very transactional. And you could do transactions anywhere. You could do it on your Schwab account. You could do it at Robinhood. You could do it anywhere. But feeling good about the people you're working with is far and away the best way to get referrals. It's always great to get that monthly or quarterly uh, hit in the bank account. That always feels good. But it's those relationships you make along the way, I feel like really makes a difference. No doubt. No doubt. Greg, tell me about your start in this. You were a basketball coach. You, you know, God, I love to coach. I like to coach my kids club volleyball. Mm -hmm. You know, I love to coach. You say that you're a recovering college basketball coach. (laughs) Pretty funny. I know you played at U of uh, VA, so huge division one program. And then you decided to get into this capital raising thing, probably experienced some kind of startup headaches, like a lot of entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. do. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about your entrepreneurial journey and you know some of how you got this thing kicked off and some challenges that you faced early on and how you overcame those. Yeah. So uh, Josh, my brother and I grew up on Long Island, New York, and my little brother is a lieutenant in the FDNY right now. He's still an active firefighter doing his thing, and we are we're pretty much the average Joes. I mean, nothing too special, middle class. I did have a talent playing basketball. And I I did get to go to the University of Virginia and uh, play for the Wahoos. And when I say play, I really just had a uniform. I wasn't much of a player, but I had a really great seat for every every game. And then after that, I was a college basketball coach, American University, South Carolina. Then we had our first child and things really changed for me. Like When you have that first kid, the grind of the, the college basketball lifestyle was not for me. So we said, hey, what do you want to do? So my wife and I left Washington, D.C., and we went to Boise, Idaho. Not your most natural progression, but that's okay. So what we did was we built uh, 77 condos. This was my first foray into real estate. Partnered with my father-in-law and my brother-in-law, and we built 77 condos. We built them in two phases for safety. I mean, it was beautiful. And we started building them right around 2007. 
Okay. And then uh, right around the uh, end of 2007, we said, this is going great. Let's build phase two. Right as 2008's hitting and the world starts, you know, kind of going kaput, right? I saw the underside of the real estate industry there, right? Because during that time, the early 2000s, building condos was a great way to make money, right? You sell these condos. It was great. It wasn't that long-term strategy that kind of apartments and multifamily can give to you. So seeing the underside of the of the real estate world really gave me... It kind of gave me pause. And it actually made us move out of Boise and we relocated to Charlottesville, Virginia. So I've been here for a while. The opportunity I felt was there to get back into real estate. You know, it took almost a decade off. And when we, re- my brother and I really started studying real estate, multifamily and self storage just kept coming up. And we said, okay, how can we get involved? We have kids. My little brother has three kids. So being an operator wasn't in the cards. So we decided, hey, we got into our first deal and we had to raise money. And we raised money, uh, not a lot, but it was the process that we loved so much about it, right? Mm. And to be a capital raiser and not so much an operator, you don't make as much, you don't make as much money being an operator, right? When you're running the show. But we also have the time to meet investors. And that's the part that we really love. Sharing real estate and telling people the power of real estate has been the most fun. And eventually, will we have our own place? Maybe. But, but kind of building out our network is really what it's all about for us right now. Yeah, I love it. So what kind of advice would you give other people who are seeking that. You know, I know a lot of my followers and friends and podcast listeners, some of them want to actively be owner operators. They think they can keep more equity that way. It's also a lot more work. Ask me how I know. <laughs> uh, you know other people will say, well, look, yeah, I just, I like, to, like talking to people about multifamily and I like raising money. Other people might say, look, I enjoy construction. I'm a general contractor. Mm-hmm. There's a million different roles they can play. So what kind of advice would you give them as far as kind of selecting a role? What did you learn along the way about you selecting a role? Mm -hmm. And if you had to do anything over or differently, what kind of advice would you give your former self as you were going through the process? Yeah, it comes down to just like our investors, the same person that wants to get into real estate, where are you in your life right now, right? Do you have little kids? Do you have some extra equity you could put to work? And then where are your talents? So where are you in your life? And what are your talents? If you can't hang a picture in your house, you probably don't want to be renovating apartment buildings. Probably not the best use of your time or your talent. However, find something you're passionate about. And, And for my brother and I, it is talking about real estate, right? I'm of the uh, ilk that can't hang a picture in our house, right? My, my wife does that. My wife is a wonderful residential realtor in Charlottesville, Virginia, Lisa Lyons. And God bless her. She puts up with a lot. But my gift is of gab and talking about uh, real estate. That's fun. I'm not a guy that people are going to run away from at the cocktail party because everyone wants to talk about real estate, right? Everyone thinks they're a real estate investor. But that's kind of where we thought our talents were. And more than anything about talking about real estate, my brother and I love connecting people. So we may have five calls in a day and we may play connector on four of those calls. Hey, you should really talk to so-and-so over here. This person's doing that. You should be on that podcast. We'll listen to this podcast. 
And making those connections, we may never get paid for something like that, but paying it forward, having the abundance mentality is kind of what we're all about. So seeing other people succeed because of a relationship that we kind of form for someone, that is, that's giving us a lot of satisfaction along this journey. I love it. I love it. That's fantastic advice, Greg. Thanks so much for that. So a couple kind of questions, Greg, as we kind of wrap up here. I'm curious, your desire to raise capital, obviously, you have to have a good financial understanding of the markets. What kind of tools or resources, books, seminars, webinars, what do you recommend people research to get a better understanding of where the market's going and just do a better job of kind of due diligence with their deals? So podcasts have been just a wonderful resource for me. The, the podcast that we're on right now, I just started uh, my own podcast, which is called The Passive Income Brothers, where we cover a lot of different topics. I listen to Peter Schiff. I listen to uh, macroeconomic people, Keith Weinhold, Bigger Pockets, kind of where I, where I started listening. But podcasts have been just an absolutely wonderful resource to say, hey, what's this concept? And I need to research this further. I need to talk to people like Josh Cantwell, Greg Lyons, different people like that to gain a better understanding of where I fit into the real estate world. That would kind of be the best thing. And then talking to people. I mean, you could learn a lot online, but it's kind of learning about people's different experiences in real estate. Something may say, hey, oh, th- this works for me. And then if you want to start and take action right away, besides listening to podcasts, I would read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Mm -hmm. because that is really the baseline knowledge of assets versus liabilities and really got my start back into real estate after reading that book. I love it. Love it. A book that's out now, which I highly recommend. I've talked to my audience a little bit about it, is the book called The Changing World Order by Ray Dalio. Uh, He's the founder and CEO of the world's largest hedge fund. He's been in the financial markets since the early 1960s. And uh, I've gone through the book twice now. It is, to me, it's an absolute must read. If you have any real care about where we're going as an economy and as where we're going in our uh, kind of war, right now it's a technology war with China. It's, a, it, it's mm-hmm. an intellectual property war with China. It's not, a, it's not a military war, not yet. But The Changing World Order by Ray Dalio, highly, highly recommend. Amazing stuff. Greg, let me ask you, when you look at balance, right? You seem like a guy that figured it out early. You did a lot of evaluation to see what kind of what seat did you want to sit in when it comes mm-hmm. to multifamily and self-storage. You decided that you wanted to use your gift of communicating, of networking. And so what kind of advice would you give our audience around picking their spot, like picking their spot in real estate? You did it because you love to communicate network. Are there any other questions or evaluations that you went through or you advise other people, some of our audience to go through to kind of pick their spot and be happy? I love... I talk to my audience all the time about being happy, about having joy, doing what they love. Right. And obviously, you you seem to have gone through a pretty uh, significant due diligence process of knowing where do you fit. How do people determine where they fit in the sphere of multifamily and self-storage? Yeah, again, it's, it's podcasting. It's talking to people. It's probably going to different uh, conferences. I, I feel like that is really good. That's a really great way. We're going to the best ever conference in February, and that's just a really great place to hear about people's experience. And again, it, all we're looking for is that click to become a real estate investor. It's like, oh, I can do that. I can do single family houses. I could do Airbnbs, or I could be an asset manager. 
Getting into the real estate industry is about having different experiences. I had a condo experience. Would I do it again? Probably not. I kind of saw the power of multifamily and and what that could do for kind of generational wealth. So I would probably, you know, but it took me going into condos to find that out. If people are just getting started and maybe a little bit younger, don't have as many, you know, maybe don't, don't have a family, stuff like that, and a lot of different things they have to do, maybe go work for someone in the industry. Whether that be a an internship, or work for free, or become an asset manager, become someone's back office person, become someone's right hand right hand person to learn from people and learn the different aspects: multifamily, self storage, again, Airbnb, single family, fix and flips, wholesaling. There's a million different things to do. It's just kind of having those different experiences, which I find are very very important. Got it. Love it. Greg, are there any books or pieces of advice that you've been given that really stand out? So the book I read after Rich Dad Poor Dad was The Cashflow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki, which I thought was really, really good. I am a I'm an avid reader. I just finished Atomic Habits, which was great to kind of read in the new year. You know, just really kind of fire up what what you're doing daily is where you're going to be in five years, is where you're going to be in a year. So if you're not making the phone calls, if you're not on podcasts, if you're not talking to people, don't expect any change. So Atomic Habits kind of really drilled that home for me. And then after that, it's really just listening to podcasts. Like I've gained so much inspiration from people, uh, from people's journeys, from people's failures, and listening to those things and seeing how people pick themselves back up is just, it's inspiration on your phone every single day. Got it. Love it. Listen, Greg, thank you so much for joining us today on Accelerated Investor. I know our group can reach out to you online, LinkedIn, Facebook. What are some of the best ways for them to connect with you? Well, if you want more content just like this, I mean, we're probably not as good as Josh. Josh, we're not as good as your podcast right now. But in December of 2021, we started the Passive Income Brothers podcast. It's my brother and I doing something similar. We're really focusing on the passive investor and how the passive investor can kind of use the easy button of going through Cityside Capital to become passive real estate investors. Got it. Love it. So check that out, guys. Passive Income Brothers podcast and citysidecap.com. Greg, listen, thanks so much for joining us today on the show. I had a blast learning more about you and your business. Thank you so much for making a few minutes for us. Thank you. Take care. So hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Greg Lyons. I really enjoyed learning a little bit more about him and his licensed capital raiser status. I haven't had many people on the podcast before who are licensed capital raisers, but that's all that they do. I love raising money. We raise tons of money, and I'm always, you know, kind of geeking out when I can talk to another person who's raising money. A friend of mine years ago said, "Capital will find its way into every crack in the sidewalk, kind of like water." And what he meant by that was to say that if there's a good deal out there, good deals will always get funded. If there's enough networking. Okay. So you can't just go find a deal and say the money will follow. You have to say, find a good deal and the capital will flow into that deal if you do enough networking. Okay. So keep that in mind as you do your deals. Listen, I had a blast today with Greg. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I've been throwing out a bunch of solo casts lately around, you know, our own deals and our own operations. I really enjoy sharing those stories and I hope you're getting a lot out of it. 
If you are, you know, leave us a, a rating and a review. It would mean so much to me. I'd be so grateful if you would do that. And don't forget, if you are looking for coaching, partnering, mastermind, go visit joshcantwellcoaching.com and apply to be a member of that group, which I'm, I'm so fortunate and grateful to lead every single day. So thanks so much for being here on this episode, and we'll see you next time. Take care. You were just listening to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. If you enjoyed this episode and learned something new, help us build the AI community by leaving a review and five-star rating on our iTunes podcast channel. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss another episode. To see passive investing opportunities, visit freelandventures.com slash passive. To start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always dreamed of with multifamily apartments, apply for one-on-one -on -one coaching with Josh at www.joshcantwellcoaching.com.